You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore data. So one thing that I've been trying to do more often, if it seems somewhat appropriate, is to have a throwback episode. And, and it's from one year ago today. It's a, it's a This Day in History episode. And yesterday I listened, and it, eh. but um, this episode today is actually very cool. And I like it because, you know, I, I can feel the gears turning about, like, what's going on this year. And you're starting to get a sense of, like, look, I, I think McCarthy's gone I think Gutekunst is kind of not so much caring about this year and is really building up for a big year next year. It's also talking about Jermaine Whitehead. This is the episode in which he got cut from the team. And since he just had his big mishap, that's kind of interesting to hear that. And again, you hear the gears turning like, what is going on? Because it's a weird situation. And it was the same time we picked up Ibrahim Campbell. So he's a brand new guy. So you can kind of hear my thoughts instantly in terms of like what's going on with this guy. And I, you know, sort of liked him a little bit back then as well. So anyways, it, it, it's a relatively short episode. I thought it was a, a pretty good, it was a, it's, if, if I find it interesting, I'm going to post it. And I enjoyed listening to it. So um, I'm just going to throw one ad break in, short, quick, and dirty one. And uh, from there, it'll be the next episode. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident fanalist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. So, sorry for being a little bit late, but um, 
for the first time ever, I actually did get a reaction to a flu shot. I thought people were making that up, that that wasn't a thing. That, or coincidentally, I got the flu the same day that I got a flu shot. I don't know. But this this has been an unfortunate uh, few hours here. Anyways, I was not about to let the streak die uh, because of uh, whatever it is that's going on. So uh, we're gonna we're gonna talk about the Packers a little bit. I'm uh, I'm a little concerned that I might be hallucinating, so you'll have to bear with me. I woke up today, found out what happened with the elections. I very carefully went on Twitter, and everybody seems happy. Now I I feel like that's impossible because that's not a thing. But so far, everybody's happy with the outcome, and that's freaking me out a little bit. But it's kind of refreshing. So hopefully it'll stay that way, it, you know, at least for another couple hours. But again, if I'm uh, making that up, then I apologize, and hopefully I can hallucinate a little less on the podcast. First of all, let's just start right in the thick of it with the um, Jermaine Whitehead situation, because I'm pretty stunned by that. Um, I... It's confusing for several reasons. For one, we don't exactly have a lot of depth at safety. I don't know if you guys knew that. But we were thin before HaHa left. Then we got rid of HaHa, and it's like, well, now we're really thin, but we replaced him with Tremont, so it's like, all right, whatever. And then it's like as soon as the coaches are like, all right, let's put another safety in, Gutekunst is like, nope. I hate safeties. I don't want them on this team. Now, I, listen, I know he hit a guy, but so what? Like I've referenced several times, uh, so did Jair. Punched a guy right in the neck. Now, he didn't get ejected, but, I mean, since when does an open-handed slap to a helmet means you get ejected? I just, I don't get it. Beyond that, if you watch that live stream I did of the game, I don't even want the coaches to really even get all that upset about it. Now, this is, I said this prior to them getting ejected, but it's, it's one of those things where it's done. You want to try to encourage your team not to do dumb things that get us penalties, but at the same time, it's like, yeah, let's get fired up. And you, you can't go back and change it. You already got the penalty. Let's try to kind of embrace the attitude a little bit. But, the, you know, the the more that I look into it, it seems like a couple things. First of all, it's, it's important to note that as good as Jermaine Whitehead was looking early in the season, and I mentioned this probably last week, he's actually fallen off. Um, weeks one through four, it was really surprising. Like, wow, this guy's really stepping up. Um, three out of his first four weeks, he was very, very good. Probably one of our better safeties, if not our best safety, depending on whether it was a good week or a bad week for HaHa. His coverage was, was actually really impressive. His tackling for all four weeks was really solid. He actually even did a really good job in pass rush. Week four, he attempted a pass rush seven times. Three times he got home. Week three, he tried it four times once he got home. I don't mean got home as in a sack, but in 29 total attempts, he had one sack, one hit, and two hurries. So, I mean, he was a versatile weapon. We used him a lot. We, he was a good tackler. He was decent in coverage. But starting in week six, things kind of went downhill pretty fast. Uh, week six and seven, he wasn't doing anything well at all. Run defense, tackling was terrible. Pass rush was terrible. Coverage was terrible. Week nine, the run defense tackling got a little bit better, but still, for three straight weeks, the guy can't cover. And really, it ended up being um, four out of the last five that the coverage was pretty bad. So it looks good when three out of four is is good but then throughout the whole thing if you've got four out of the next out of the last five um you kind of look at it and go oh, maybe he's not all that good but even so again you look at it and you say well okay he's not that good but i mean he's still depth so replace him put josh jones in, put him on the bench so and i i don't know i obviously none of us know the situation but i'm looking at this and the few things that i believe i should be able to take away from this 
One is that it seems as though Gutekunst is sort of taking this team into his own hands. This is a Gutekunst decision. Now, I, I'm not saying Mike McCarthy didn't have any say in this. For all we know, Mike McCarthy went to Gutekunst and said, get him off my team. I don't want him. I don't know. But it, it seems to be a situation where Gutekunst is, like like we've been talking about, he's, he's trying to build this team in his image. He's cleaning out the locker room, guys with bad attitudes, etc., etc. And I don't know if this goes deeper. Maybe he's had attitude issues in the past. If I'm not mistaken, actually, Jermaine, I think when HaHa left, there was a quote by Jermaine Whitehead saying, I drove him to the airport. I was really sad about it. You know, he's my guy, whatever. I mean, it's just, I mean, they're, they're really close friends. It's not impossible to think that he's maybe had a, it, I feel like it has to be bigger than just the slap. It has to be bigger than that. But again, beyond that, the, the two biggest things are Gutekunst is taking this into his own hands. And the second thing is that he doesn't really care how it affects this year. It's, it's getting to the point of bordering on just, I don't want to say tanking because I don't think he would tank the year, but he's, he has no regard for how well we do this year, in my opinion. Like, if it's, if, if it's basically like 50-50 or, or 49-51 that we get rid of him, 51% we get rid of him, there's no thing in his brain that pushes it back the other way where it's like, okay, it's only 51%, but we kind of need him. We need the depth. He's talented at times. No, it, it, there's nothing weighing down. It's just, if I don't want you, you go away, and I don't care about the team and the situation of 2018. I just don't care. So I don't want to go so far as to say Gutekunst doesn't care about this year, but to question whether or not his priority is this year or next year, there's no question in my mind Gutekunst's priority is the future. It is not this year. For that reason... When you see guys who are entering free agency, I, I saw Amir Abdullah made the free agency, he got cut, and I'm thinking, oh man, just go get him. I've been saying on this podcast for a long time, I would really like us to trade for him. Because I feel like Amir Abdullah would be cheaper than Ty Montgomery, but he's also a lot better than Ty Montgomery, at least insofar as what Ty Montgomery should be doing. right? If Ty Montgomery is going to be our receiving back, which I know McCarthy doesn't know how to use running backs properly, but let's also remember he's probably not going to be here next year or might not be here next year. If we get a coach that understands, okay, we got one guy that's a hammer, one guy that's a slasher, and one guy that's a receiver and uses them properly, we got three of those really good ones. Uh, Jamal Williams is not just a hammer but a great pass blocker. Aaron Jones is just a great runner, and now you got Amir Abdullah. And And as I've said before, the Lions just used him improperly. They used him as just a running back. He's not hes not a good running back. He's a terrible running back. But the guy was only getting like 30 passes a year. He's getting less than like two receptions a game. Because again, they, they drafted him. Him and Duke Johnson, as I've said several times, got drafted in the same year, in the same class. I liked both of them. I thought they'd be good compliments to Eddie Lacy. But as receiving backs, Duke Johnson is being used properly by Cleveland, and he's looking pretty good over there. Amir Abdullah has been a bust ever since they got him, and I think he was drafted earlier. The Lions just didn't use him properly. Now he's so buried down the depth chart. But anyways, getting back to my original point, it makes me feel a little pessimistic that Gutekunst is going to push in this year. He's building up a lot of draft picks. He's clearing out a lot of cap space. And by the way, for the record, he was in a contract year. So if you're in a contract year on this team, expect to be cut. (laughs) I mean, it's just... If he can trade you right now, which he can't anymore, but... He basically traded away every 28, you know, every guy whose contract was up in 2018 if he could get something for him. Otherwise, you got Whitehead. They're not bringing him back because he's, he's in a contract year and we're not going to pay him any money because he's not very good. He slapped a guy and Gutekunst is like, okay, he's gone. <laughs> Wait! <laughs> just 
can we wait until the year's done? Nope, 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 gone. So it, it would be very, very interesting for me to understand or gauge how the conversations go between McCarthy and Gutekunst. Because I just find it hard to believe that when McCarthy's name is kind of on the line, you know, his job is on the line, that he's kind of signing off on let's get more, let's get rid of more of my players. I just, I don't see that happening. He knows that this team is in a tough spot. He's fighting for his life. Well, for his job, if we're going to be less dramatic about it. It just, does it make any sense that he'd be like, yeah, sure, you can get rid of him. You can get rid of HaHa, and you can get rid of um, Ty, and you can get rid of Jermaine. I just don't see that as making a whole lot of sense from McCarthy's perspective. So I'm, I'm trying not to go too far into conspiracy territory, but I don't have a ton to go on here, so it's really hard not to dip my toe in. For example, <laughs> Gutekunst, as we know, has no firing power over McCarthy. However, if Mark Murphy decides to fire the head coach, I believe he would delegate Gutekunst to be able to pick the new head coach. In other words, not only does he not necessarily care all that much about this season and the winning record, but he has quite a bit of incentive to not do all that well. Again, I I know a lot of people don't want to hear it, and it's kind of one of those things like, no, a professional would never do that, and he's a professional, and okay, maybe, but his draft picks get much better the more we lose the ones that he's been stashing, not trading away for players and all this other stuff. They get better, not just in the first round, in the second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth round. They're all better. They're all higher. Secondly, if Gutekunst does not want McCarthy on the team and we win, McCarthy stays. Again, I have no, for all I know, Gutekunst wants McCarthy to stay and does not believe he's the problem and maybe he's just cleaning out the locker room to make it better, blah, blah, blah. But I don't think so. This is not helping McCarthy to keep his job. That is all I can tell you. Having, I mean, it's just, it's a basically a numbers game right now. Now, we did pick up Mr. Ibrahim Campbell, who actually, I mean, just based on pro football focus grades, he's not bad. If nothing else, he is a unbelievably good tackler, right? Coverage, he's not super good at it. But, I mean, legitimately, 2017 and 2015, he had an elite pass or uh, tackling grade. That's that's kind of crazy. Not a super small sample size with Cleveland either. 198, 102, and 418 over the last three years. 720 total snaps in his career. Only two this year has been bouncing around a lot. But pro football focus aside, do we think he's going to come in and be a, a producer? Oh, man, this is miserable. <laughs> I can't do this. All right, so so we have Raven Green, right? We have Josh Jones, we have Kentrell Bryce. Now we have Ibrahim. Tremont's playing safety, that's absolutely true, but he's a corner. I don't know, I, I guess it's not that much worse than it was. We still have bodies, especially if you put Tremont in there, we have bodies. It's just a pretty dire situation, man. But anyways, regardless of setting the conspiracy theories aside, Gutekunst clearly is sending a message that he's not going to tolerate this kind of nonsense in the locker room, and that's a good thing. And that's one thing that I do feel comfortable saying. The rest of it was just kind of, you know, connect the dots type stuff. But he's sort of taking control of the culture. And that, you know, that also doesn't reflect too great on McCarthy either. He's not necessarily saying, hey, Mike, you know, why don't you go clean this up? It's sort of like, (coughs) sorry, it's sort of like you, you seem incapable of fixing this over the last, I don't know how many, you know, couple years, there's been a lot of problems in this locker room. You can't seem to fix it, so I guess i got to go in and just start cutting everybody with a bad attitude, which isn't ideal. Ideally, people have a bad attitude, and you fix the bad attitude. 
That isn't happening in Green Bay, and Gutekunst is just walking in and grabbing guys and dragging them out. In other news, Geronimo Allison has officially been put on IR, which, um, you know, I've been saying all year there's a relatively good chance he's gone after this year, and now it just, again, when you look at how Gutekunst seems to be purging everybody that's due a contract next year to save as much money as possible, it looks like Allison, I mean, he's already buried on the depth chart. Granted, he seems like a need if Cobb is gone. But I, I don't think it's that big of a deal. I think we got Adams. I think uh, Equinemius shows a lot of promise. I think Marquez has been absolutely incredible. Jamon Moore is, is still a work in progress. And then we have Jay Kumaro and uh, a draft and a free agency coming up if need be. And really, for me, it just comes down to he's not that good. <laughs> and I've been saying that since forever. And when you look at it, it's like, okay, fine. If you're on you know an $800,000 contract, fine. But how much do you really want to pay this guy to stick around? And I, I don't know that you want to pay really any more than they're paying him right now, or at all for that matter. So we'll see. I mean, may, may, they might resign him. I mean, obviously they've shipped off a lot of other people, and I don't think he would be all that expensive. But it bottom line is it seems like Gutekunst is without gutting the team, which is interesting because he's trying to do a rebuild, but there's so much here that you can't touch. There is a good amount of talent, and with that means you can't, you know, when you cut somebody, it's somebody like Allison who's getting paid 630000 You know, it's not like cutting Blake Bortles and you save yourself like $20 million or whatever. So he's he's really trimming around the edges, it seems like, to get as much cap and uh, as much draft capital as he possibly can, and um, is also going in and cleaning out this locker room just to get as much of a fresh start as is humanly possible. And And with that said, again... I just can't help but assume that he wants a new head coach on the team. I Again, I don't know that. It just makes sense. It, it makes sense. I think for all the reasons we want him gone, but also, again, this is Gutekunst's team, and he's trying to, he, I mean, that's how he's approaching it. Ted Thompson almost felt like a silent partner, right? Like it was McCarthy's team. Ted Thompson just, you know, kind of goes dormant and then comes out in the draft, grabs a couple guys, gives them to McCarthy, and then goes back to sleep. Gutekunst seems to really be taking this bull by the horns and, and making it clear this is my team. And if I don't want you here, you're going to go. If I want to trade you for a fourth-round pick, you're going to go for a fourth-round pick. Speaking of trades, um, I had heard some people talking about trading McCarthy, and I had never actually heard that before. So I had to dig into it a little bit. Man, you can get a lot for a coach. <laughs> I don't really want to look it up, but I I think that when John Gruden was traded to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they got, I think it was a first-round pick. I think it was like two firsts and two seconds and a third or something crazy. It's unbelievable for for John Gruden. Now, I know he was a big deal back in the day, more so than he is now, although obviously when the Raiders wanted him, we all thought he was a big deal. But anyways, still... I wouldn't have thought, if you'd have told me beforehand that, you know, you can trade coaches, how much do you think Bill Belichick would be worth? I'd be like, oh man, a lot. Probably, I don't know, first round pick-ish? I I, I have no idea. I don't know how to gauge that. You're telling me John Gruden got him two first, two seconds, and a third? We've got McCarthy on contract for another year after this. I mean, I'm down with that. (laughs) I I don't really know all the, the nuances of it. It sounds like it's just, it's not really like player trades. It sounds like there's a lot less rules. It's really just two teams agreeing on compensation. That could be just straight up cash, um, you know, giving me money to compensate for his contract. Could be picks. Could be a little bit of both. I think in one case there was actually uh, the the other team gave like a half a million dollars to the 
team who's trading him away's charity. So it's pretty much literally whatever you want. Like, I want free Papa Murphy's for the next 10 years. So I don't know, it, it, it would definitely be interesting. Obviously, the Cleveland Browns, I'm going to move my mic, sorry if that was loud and annoying. But the Cleveland Browns make a lot of sense. There's a lot of people in Cleveland that were ex-Packers. They fired their head coach, so they have a vacancy. However, there's also a question of whether or not they like Mike McCarthy, which is something nobody wants to ask. <laughs> it's just assume there's a connection, therefore they're best friends, therefore they're going to hire him. It's entirely possible they're watching Green Bay and maybe understood some of the issues and think maybe Mike McCarthy's not the right guy, which wouldn't be all that surprising. I mean, I know a lot of people want to reference the Andy Reid thing, um, but it just it, it seems like a high risk with Mike because his offense is so stale. I mean, can you imagine him going to Cleveland and all of a sudden his playbook looks like the Chiefs? I would be kind of stunned and, and a little bit upset by that. <laughs> like, why didn't you just do that here? With that said, though, the Browns would be ideal if we did end up trading McCarthy, which I'm assuming is a very, very rare thing. I just, you don't see it very often. I mean, when I look it up, it's like, oh yeah, that happened back in like 2002, that one time. But if we did and we were trying to get compensation, the Browns would be pretty ideal for us because I, they're already ranked, I want to say like sixth. Yeah, exactly sixth. Uh, in other words, they if the season ended today, they would have the sixth overall pick. And if you look at their schedule, I don't think they win another game. And really, if you think about it, it's kind of an ideal situation because the teams that are most likely going to be looking to fire their head coach are teams that are not doing very well. So you look at Todd Bowles with the Jets, for example. They currently have the seventh pick if the season were to end today. Not sure they're going to win very many more games. Denver, um, they're talking about maybe they're going to lose their head coach. They also are a 3-6 and six team. Possibly Tampa Bay, a 3-5 and five team. Baltimore, surprisingly, even though everyone's talking about how great they are, which is weird. Uh, there's talk about him maybe losing the job. They're a four-win team. So, it, again, I, it seems very weird to me because everybody talks about it so casually. But if, if a head coach is worth, you know, just like willy-nilly first-round, second-round picks like nothing... Why doesn't that happen every single year? I mean, I, I, I guess the only real reason is because typically fired coaches don't retain a lot of value, which is an interesting situation with the Packers because it's a situation where maybe a team could interpret this as, you know, it's not really McCarthy's fault or, you know, he lost the locker room because he's been there for 10 years, but he's still unbelievably talented. I mean, that, that if, if you listen around, you know, podcasts or whatever and, and kind of listen to people who are in the know, a lot of people still believe McCarthy is one of the most talented and respected coaches in the NFL. But for whatever reason, it isn't working here. That narrative, we need that to win out. Whether it's true or not, it doesn't matter. And even, even Packers fans talk about that a lot. The idea that, um, you know, he'll, he can, it, it's mutually beneficial for both parties. The Packers will be better without him. McCarthy will do better with a different, you know, change of scenery. Because the team's just not buying into McCarthy anymore. So hopefully that's the case, and hopefully if he is a talented guy, and again, we still he's still on contract, meaning we could possibly negotiate um, some compensation for McCarthy. But I don't know. It, it seems like fantasy land because, again, when does that happen? All right, I, find, I went back and looked it up. In 2000, the Jets and New England for Bill Belichick. 2002 was the John Gruden thing from Oakland to Tampa. Um, Herm Edwards, New York Jets to Kansas City. Uh, Mike Holmgren. Packers to Seattle, so obviously we have some history there. That was in 1999. The Herm Edwards thing was 2006. And then Bill Parcells to the Jets in 1997. So 2006 is the most recent this has happened. And, and you know, maybe there's more, but um, these are the same ones I keep seeing over and over again. And the other weird thing is 
And again, I for all I know, they, they did away with this and people are just making it up. I don't know. But a lot of these are league negotiated. It's kind of, it's, it's very weird. So by the way, for Mike Holmgren, we got a second round pick in the 1999 NFL draft to trade Holmgren to the Seattle Seahawks. But I w- listen, I would take a second, especially if it's a high second. If the Browns end up picking third overall, uh, we would end up with what? I mean, if the season ended today, we have pick 14. That's our pick. We'd have pick 30. That's the Saints pick. And then we would get pick uh, 36 from the Browns. So basically back-to-back early second round pick. Be awesome, man. I'd take that all day. And by the way, according to NBC, as late as 2014, they had an article that uh, head coaches can still be traded. So if coaches can no longer be traded, that happens sometime between 2015 and 2018. So as best as I can tell, it's still an option. And um, to be completely honest, if we're talking about first and or second round compensation, um, I'm willing to do it today. (laughs) I know we can wait. We can wait as long as we want. But if the Browns called today and said, I'll give you a first-round pick for Mike McCarthy, I would not even hesitate. I mean, I'd have to go talk to Mike Mur- Mark Murphy, but I would, I, I don't know, I would beg, and then if that, you know, if that didn't work, th- threaten his life, I, I, whatever it took. I mean, that's, that's serious compensation right there. I mean, at that point, it's like, guaranteed, we're at least within striking distance of Nick Bosa if we so choose to go that route. I mean, just based on a lot of mock drafts, you know, the Giants get the first pick, a lot of people think they're going to take Herbert. I don't know if that's the case. We'll see how it goes, but that's a quarterback. At that point, I mean, if, if Cleveland loses out, who knows? We, we could end up being first, second, third pick, whatever. But, I mean, if we can't get him, we would be able to get Ed Oliver. It's just, oh my goodness. Quentin Williams? I just want, I, whew. I don't know if it's this fever or what, but I'm, I'm like shaking right now. That would be so ridiculously exciting. When was the last, I got to look it up now. When was the last time we had a high pick? I'm talking like top five. 2009, we got B.J. Raji with the ninth pick, but that's not quite, I mean, I'm talking, I'm talking top five, son. Because, I mean, it really does make a difference. Top ten is huge, but you're, you're talking, I mean, there, usually in a draft, there's going to be like one, two, three, like supreme talents. I'm talking about getting one of those guys, you know, the, the Nick Bosa's, the Jadavian Clownies, you know, those types of, types of fellas. Oh, A.J. Hawk with the fifth pick. All right, well, I feel sick now. I don't even want to talk about it. Oh, my goodness. What? Ugh. Ugh. Get out of my face with that. But let, here's another way to look at it, though. Ted Thompson was the king of the mid-round picks. I mean, le- legitimately, we never, I mean, hardly ever did interviews with, with like, first-round guys. We were always interviewing because we wanted to be able to hit in like the 6th round, 7th round, like undrafted free agents. We wanted to make sure we did our homework on those guys. Gutekunst's first year, we're bringing in big names. I mean, we're talking with Derwin James. We're talking with the heavy hitters. Because, I mean, and that makes sense. I know I'm going on weird tangents, but, you know, again, I'm hallucinating. Just let me go. Point is, Gutekunst wants to make sure that when we have an opportunity to pick these elite talents, we find the one that's the top guy. His first year, he gets Jair. Now, that was a relatively controversial pick. I know right before the draft, Mike Mayock said Jair was maybe, I don't know if he said he was the best corner in the draft or what, but Jair was a second-round pick until Mayock came out and said he really liked him. Then all of a sudden, everybody's like, oh, he's a mid-first-round pick. So then it kind of made sense. But I was a little worried because I, I had not heard Jair's name very much at all. But you know what? Goot did his homework. Gutekunst knows exactly who he is and what he can do, and look what he's doing. Terrell Buckley was a fifth-round pick, or a uh, fifth-overall pick. 
And then Tony Mandrick. Maybe we should just never have a top five pick. Maybe that's the story here. Brent Fullwood. What is what is going on? Sterling Sharp was seven, so that doesn't really count. What in the world? This is the worst thing I've ever seen in my life. Bruce Clark had one ten sack season. Five four, ten and a half, eight and a half, six four. Wait a minute, we didn't even get I don't know. We didn't even have the guy. He played for New Orleans. What did we draft him and trade him right away? Drafted Mike McCoy in nineteen seventy. Randy Duncan, quarterback, number one overall. Oh, and we know how that went. No, actually we don't, because <laughs> I've never heard of the man. Dan Curry. There you go, 1957, Paul Horning, number one overall. Got to go back to 1957 to find a top five pick that was really good. I don't even want the pick. I don't even want the Browns pick, man. Don't even want it. But anyways, to sort of bring this back full circle, it, it definitely seems to me like Brian Gutekunst is... is his focus is on 2019 and beyond, which is fine, and I actually think that's the smart thing to do. Again, as I've said, you're not giving up on the season entirely, but in no way are you going to sacrifice the future for today. Zero, in zero ways are you going to do that, because this just isn't the year. I mean, maybe it is, and best of luck to you, but, I mean, everybody would just have to, like, suddenly get real hot, and everybody would have to start being real motivated in the locker room, and everybody would have to understand how the offensive playbook works, and the rookies would have to start understanding things, and the defense would have to start understanding things, and our offensive line would have to be, you know, awesome for the first time ever. It's not impossible, but, I mean, is what it is, man. And again, I like it. I, I, I'm not angry about the idea that Maybe by some fluke everything just gets to be great and we make a deep push into the playoffs and win. That'd be cool. But I feel like we're several pieces away from being a truly elite football team. And I'm excited about that. So, anyways, I'm going to cut it short. 26 minutes is all I've got. Hopefully things are much better by tomorrow. You folks enjoy your whatever day it is today, and I will talk to you tomorrow. Bye-bye.